0: You've been justified, so wake up, oh sleeper, rise from the dead, Christ will shine on you. Wake up, oh sleeper, rise from the dead, Christ will shine on
1: To have <laughs> oh man I need a nap <laughs> y'all can sit down anybody out there kind of been sleeping through life a little bit there's a scripture in Matthew chapter 13 we talked about the parable of the sower and the seeds and then it talks about the parable of the story that Jesus taught about the farmer that sowed seeds and uh, while and, uh, they sowed the seeds and the crops were starting to grow and it said, the scripture says, says while they slept, the enemy came. While they slept, the enemy came and they sowed weeds among the wheat. And the the workers, they came to the farmer and they said, do we need to just pull up all the weeds? And the farmer said, no, don't, don't pull up the weeds because the good wheat will be damaged He says, just leave it there, and when it's time for the harvest, I'll take care of it. When it's time for the harvest, I'll handle this. All the things and the worries and the cares of this world that we get so involved in. I'm going to tell you what, we serve a God that's bigger than our problems. But in America, America has fallen asleep. It's easy to talk about America, but I want to remind everybody here that we're... Americans, and in America, the church, in some ways, has fallen asleep, and I want to remind everybody here, everybody watching online, we're the church. I want to read to you out of Matthew chapter 13 this morning. I think it's time for the church to wake up. I think it's time for America to wake up. And I don't think America can wake up unless the church wakes up. I believe that the church is the only hope for America. I believe that God is the only hope for America. But while we're worshiping, it's easy to put up a cot. It's easy to pull up a cot and just... Take a nap. Don't get me wrong. I'm a fan of naps. I like, I like a good nap. But I can sleep with one eye open too pretty easy. Matthew chapter 13, he gives the interpretation. He interprets the parable of the sower. And it's found... Matthew 13, chapter 36, it says, uh, the parable, the weeds, the wheat and the weeds explained. It says, then leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house. I'm gonna tell you something. He went into the house and he taught the disciples. When he was out there, he gave the parables, but he went in the house to talk to those people who were close to him. A lot of times, we can't hear the voice of God Unless we're close to God. And God has a special word for the church that, because he trusted, he got back with the disciples. Listen to this. His disciples said, Please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. And Jesus replied, The Son of Man is the farmer, Jesus. Jesus is the farmer who plants the good seed. How I many had some of that planted in you because of Jesus? Thank you. In the field is the world. The good seed in this story represents the people of the kingdom of God. The weeds are the people who, who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds in the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world and the harvesters are the angels. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin, and all, everybody say all, all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then, everybody say then. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. It's not enough just to hear it we've got to, we've just got to, we got to understand what Jesus is saying to the church. It's time we woke up. There's a lot of different kinds of sleep. I remember when I was growing up, my dad pastored the church and had a guy in one of his churches. Every Sunday morning, he'd fall asleep during the sermon. Just go to sleep. Anybody ever fall asleep during church? You're, some of y'all don't want to admit it, but I know you do. I got the bird-eye view up here. <laughs> my, someone asked my dad, said, uh, doesn't that kind of offend you that he's always sleeping during your sermon? And dad said, no. He said, I know that guy's wife, and that's the only sleep he gets all week. <laughs> true story, true story. it's one thing to fall asleep physically but it's a whole different thing to fall asleep spiritually Bible has a lot to say about sleep probably because everybody does it there's a good sleep and a bad sleep falling asleep at the wheel, it's a bad thing. We used to rodeo all the time and travel. My brother and I traveled together, and we always take turns driving and he would always take the first shift because he was better at staying awake during those hours, and I was better at staying awake like from two or three o'clock on and so he'd always take over well about one thirty or so in the morning, we was out driving and and uh I'm in the camper sleeping, and he comes back to the camper and opens the door and says, Randy, you got you to gotta drive. I, I can't drive no more. He said, that's fine, I'll get up. So I got up and started driving, and man, I was tired too. And I drive, drove about 10 or 15 miles, and I was like, man, I can't do this anymore. So I I put stopped the truck and went back there. I said, Russ, it's your turn to drive. <laughs> he said, oh, okay. He got you he drove all night he said he said i got up there and he said i thought he only drove about five miles (laughs) so you can get some good sleep in five minutes jesus he talked to the church you remember in revelation chapter three the church of sardis he talks to the church thank you thankful for that he talked to the church of Sardis. He knew. He, said he knew their deeds, that they had a name, that they were alive, and people thought, man, that's a great church. It's alive. Uh, Where's the drive? Uh, but he warned them to wake up and strengthen the things that remained and were about to die, and he said he hadn't found their deeds completed in the sight of God. In other words, they were real good at starting a lot of things, but they couldn't figure out how to finish Then he says this, he says, so remember, everybody say remember, so remember what you have received and heard, and keep it, and repent, therefore, if, everybody say if, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know what hour I come to you. Spiritually speaking, there are times when we should sleep, we see several illustrations in the bible of bible characters sleeping i think it's pretty cool when i think of sleep i think about adam and i'm going to go through some of these characters and the, the scripture verse is going to be on the screen and you can write down that scripture verse or type it in your phone and go back and and, and read about it later we don't time doesn't uh, permit us to go into a lot of detail here but i think about adam in uh, genesis chapter 2 verse 18 It says that God caused a sleep to come on to Adam. Now, Adam didn't go to sleep because he was tired. He went to sleep because Adam needed surgery. So he goes to sleep, and in this surgery, we all know the story, God created a gift to Adam, which was Eve. We can apply this to our spiritual lives as well. There's some things in our lives that God wants to put to sleep. One of the things that I think it'd be good for all of us if God would do surgery on us and he would take out all of the worrying. Anybody need surgery? Get the worrying and the stress of life out of us. Worry needs to die. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, listen. It says, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. We spend Way too much time looking behind us and the offenses of the past. And while we're looking back, we can't look forward. The scripture says, remember Lot's wife. We have to look forward because the offenses in our world, because there's a lot of them. And if you're looking to be offended, you will be successful every time you look because there's all of these things out in the world that will offend you. But if you're looking forward and you're pressing on past the confusion of this world and looking to Jesus as the author and the finisher of your faith, you will put these fearful things behind you. I'm not saying I've got it all figured out, but what I'm saying is it needs to go to the cross and it needs to be killed inside of us because worry can actually defeat us physically and spiritually needs to die what else we need surgery for anybody needs surgery for grudges that you've held on to <laughs> we need to bury them so deep that they can never surface again holding grudges or ill ill feelings or causing divisions Against someone, it's like a cancer, and it eats us up. It doesn't do near the damage to those other people as it does to us. It's like a self-sabotaging illness. It's like when you... I'm not going to get into eating too much or doing things that messes up your body, but we're like, man, how come this happened? Well, sometimes we just self-sabotage when we hold grudges against somebody else or we try to fix somebody else, we need to wake up. And let the things of the past be the things of the past and look to the God of the future. And bring Jesus into the healing for the healing of the nations. Bring the, the seed, which is the people. God trusts you to sow good seeds, which is the word of God as well in other people. And you can bring life, into. The, but we'll never bring life as long as we're hung up in the offenses that will come our way every time we live for them. And America has gotten real good at being offended. We just need to Stop it in the church. It's a cancer. It's a cancer. Forget the things. We're behind. One of the things I think we need surgery on is our sinful habits. The habits of sin. We need to put them to sleep. So We need to get puts to sleep so that God can do surgery on us. Uh, When God woke up, when God put Adam to sleep, he woke up. And there was Eve, a helpmate, a companion, a blessing. Those things, uh, those things that are hindering our spiritual growth, we need for God to put them to sleep so he can do surgery and on us and bring the good things into our life that he wants to bring. Sometimes we don't have good things in our lives because we are messing all of the good things up. But God wants good things for you. He wants good things for us. So we, he will forgive and do his part. Aren't you thankful for that? We, every time we ask him to forgive, he will readily forgive us. He'll do his part. But we must also want to put to death the things that are putting us to death. When I think of sleep, I think of Peter. You remember Herod the king, he had James, the brother of John, had him killed. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he arrested Peter and put him in prison. Jesus said, Peter, just go on to sleep. I got this. And that's exactly what happened. Peter went to sleep and he he wasn't worrying, he wasn't complaining that he was in prison. He wasn't worried about anything. He wasn't losing any sleep over it in prison. He didn't let his circumstance mess him up in prison. He was sleeping like a baby. His sleep was a sleep of peace and a sleep of trust in God. Fear and worry will keep you awake, but trust in God. Last night, I had trouble going to sleep. You know what I do when I go to sleep? It's not my sermon. I'm going to tell you real fast. I memorized the 23rd Psalm, and I quote the 23rd Psalm to myself. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Makes me lie down in green pastures, leaves me beside the still waters, restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. That rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thank you for your discipline, Lord. Prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runneth over. (laughs) Jesus said, Peter, go to sleep. Peter knew he had nothing to lose. After all, he understood what 2 Corinthians 5, 6 really meant when it said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Please don't have any fear of death in your life. Don't allow fear. Somebody said the other day, I asked them how they do it, and they said, well, it's a day above ground, and any day above ground is better is better than the alternative. And I tell them, that's not what I heard. I heard to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Yeah. We have to change our paradigm thinking into who Jesus says we are. Peter knew he had to, didn't have anything to lose. I think about Jesus when he was in the boat. Matthew chapter 8, 23 and 27, it says... Uh, it's the only time in scripture we, that, we, that I can see where Jesus fell asleep. Says it's time to sleep. And did you notice that Jesus picked a time to fall asleep when they were in the middle of the storm? The reason was because he wasn't worried. And the disciples, it's kind of like us. Oh, don't you care if we perish? I'm going down. Have you ever known someone like this? who can sleep no matter what's going on around them. Have you ever been around somebody? Is anybody, I mean, y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, they can just sleep through anything. Yet, uh, several years back when we were living in Waller, we had a tornado. And this is this, about two in the morning and the tornado, all of a sudden we're asleep and the hail and everything came down on the house and it just started banging through on the windows, and we jump up out of the bed. Me and Darla jump up out of the bed, and Darla runs over to the window, and hail's hitting the window, and she puts her hands on the window, and she says, in the name of Jesus, don't you break. We had a lot of windows breaking that tornado, but that window did not break through the whole thing. Isn't it funny what comes out of you in the middle of a storm? Because the real you is going to come out. She said, in the name of Jesus, we we get up and and the the windows are broken in a lot of the rooms and and water through the, the, it come down the halls and she she went running into the living room. This is the best I remember. It's it's probably different, but. (laughs) And, And I'm just standing there. I don't even know what to do. I'm kind of in a daze. And she comes running back down and she slips and falls and she just slides down the hall and, and I lovingly say this. Like, uh, have you ever seen those seals at SeaWorld just? Sh- <laughs> she was just sliding up into me. And so she goes and she gets Shiloh. Shiloh's sitting up. This is when Shiloh and Caleb were a lot smaller. But Shiloh was sitting up in bed crying because it was raining on her through the. And uh, and I go into Caleb's room. He's got this big uh, quilt and it's over the top of his head, and he's just sleeping like a baby. <laughs> I mean, through the storm, and everything's going on. He's just like, I yanked that, that, that bedspread, that, that quilt off of him, and I grabbed him, and I said, get in the bathroom. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> Wake up right out of your sleep. What happens when the storms come? Where do you Look. Well, the disciples did do the right thing. They prayed. They went to Jesus and they said, Lord, save us. And then you know the rest of it. Jesus calmed the storm. Peace be still. Sometimes that's the only way we'll get on our knees though is if we're in the middle of a storm. I appreciate people coming down to the altar during what we're worshiping. I think it's a good thing to come to the altar. I think it's good to come whether you're in a storm or not in a storm. Sometimes it's better if you're not in a storm because the Lord told me one time, he says, if you'll seek me in the good times like you seek me in the bad times, you won't have near as many bad times. come to the altar. Think about old Stephen, and he got stoned. Uh, Stephen just got through preaching a real hard sermon to the Sanhedrin, to the church people about unbelief in Israel, and they didn't like it, so they stoned him. Don't get any ideas. Did you know what he did whenever they started stoning him? He says, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Every time in the Bible we see Jesus sitting at, But Jesus stood up to welcome Stephen into heaven because it was important for Stephen to know that Jesus honored him because Stephen honored Jesus. Right. And he also knew to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm telling you what, the worst thing can happen in our lives, is actually the best thing can happen because the worst thing is you die, but you, the best thing is that you get to go to heaven and be with Jesus. So, how bad can that be? Samson, y'all remember Samson? Samson was lulled to sleep by Delilah. Uh, Satan loves to do that to us, doesn't he? he? He gets us to sleep and then he starts with the scissors. All of Samson's strength was in his hair, and Delilah went to cutting off his hair because he he left the house. He went where he wasn't supposed to be, took away his strength. And when the world takes away our strength, the world takes away our usefulness with that. And when we fall asleep, spiritually speaking, uh our our usefulness. Sleeps as well. So Samson gets to sleep. They start with the scissors. Satan knew Samson's weakness, right? Satan knew what Samson's weaknesses was. Women. I'm gonna slow down for you men. (laughs) Satan knows your weaknesses too. He knows what will draw you, and he knows what will draw me away from the Lord. Maybe it's the love of money. Maybe it's the lust of the flesh. Maybe it's pornography. And it's not just a man thing anymore. It's a woman thing, and our children are being exposed more than ever. Moms and dads, we got to wake up. Kids, you got to wake up. There's things in this world that is trying to rip your sons and daughters away from the presence of God, and it's time for the church to wake up. Might be the love of money. I could go on and on. But you, you know what yours is, right? I mean, you already know. I don't have to get up and tell you what your problem is. I don't have to tell you where your weaknesses are. Only thing I can say is wake up. How about old Jonah? Jonah slept into total insensitive, insensitivity to the will of God. The call of God on his life. And Jonah didn't care about people anymore. He didn't care about people like God cared about people. Jonah said, Let them all go to hell. I don't care. Then he went down the bottom of the boat and went to sleep. I don't know how many of us do that. We're satisfied with our own salvation, we're going to heaven. I got my salvation. I don't care about nobody else. I'm going to heaven. I'm good. I'm good. If others don't go there, well, that's their tough luck. Shame on them. We become become like Jonah. We don't care about people because people are still God's greatest treasure. And if we don't care about God's greatest treasure, we've fallen asleep. We don't care about the people that we work with anymore. We don't care about our our family, our kids, our our grandkids. We don't care about our parents teaching them to worship. Sometimes you kids need to teach your your parents how to worship. Take it it on yourselves. When I think of sleep, I think about a guy named Eutychus. Anybody remember him? He was the guy that that, uh, while... Was it Peter was sleeping? Peter was preaching. I think it was Peter. I think it was. Man, I should look. I think it's Peter. He was preaching. Anyway, Eutychus is sitting in a third-story window, and it, and it the it says that the lights were kind of. And it, let me tell you something. If you're sitting in a third-story window and you're getting a little bit sleepy, don't stay in the window. He fell out of the wind and killed himself. Then they had to go down and raise him up from the dead. Because the preacher preached too long. So what happens when the devil puts you to sleep? What happens is we miss out on God's blessings. The reason is, is because we're asleep Think about the ten virgins. They weren't living in the light of the Lord's soon return. They were all caught sleeping, but uh, five of them were ready because their lamps were—they—they they had oil in their lamps. They—they they were prepared for the Lord's return. And there was five of them that weren't ready, and they were caught unprepared. No, no oil. It, it's a picture of. The lost world—it's a picture of the wheat that comes and distracts. It's a picture of the weeds that come in and distract from the world, from the from the church. Five were caught prepared with oil in their lamps—a picture of the saved. But all ten were caught sleeping. What's the lesson for us? We don't we don't know when Jesus is coming back. Right. We better not be caught sleeping. This is a sleepy, it's a sleepy generation. This. Um Mark thirteen thirty five it says, Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh or at even or at midnight, when the cock crows or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. Romans thirteen eleven it says, and know and, and that knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than we believed. We, uh, when we were singing and uh, worshiping earlier, we were singing. Do uh, you, you remember we were singing, I sing a hallelujah? And there was was something in that song it says it says up from the ashes what does it say what will arise hope it says out of the ashes ashes are something that has no value because it's been burned you remember in the Old Testament right when they would sacrifice the animals on the altar and when they sacrifice the animals on the altar it was the sin offerings for the people because without the shedding of blood in other words when we sin there is a debt that has to be paid somebody has to pay the debt and the sacrifices in the old testament was the animals that were sacrificed in the new testament jesus came as the supreme sacrifice but in the Old Testament, what they would do, they would sacrifice these animals. And what did God say to do with the ashes? Does anybody remember what God said to do with the ashes? Because every time you had a sacrifice,s there was ashes left on the altar. Here's what he said. He said, take the ashes outside of the camp and bury them. He didn't want any signs. Come on, somebody. He didn't want any sign of the sin in their lives left in the camp. He said, get it outside the wall and bury it and don't look back. Out of the ashes, hope. Hope comes from the forgiveness of sins, but the ashes have to leave. What do we do? Why has the church fallen asleep? My mom had, a, God gave my mom a vision one time because she was reading this, this scripture in the Old Testament about, about take the ashes outside of the, outside of the camp. And she says, What we do, what the church does, she so says, we go outside of the camp and we look for the place where the priest buried the ashes. And then we'll dig up, dig through, and we'll we'll get those ashes because we think that that sin was so fun and it was so right for us and it was just like it was so addicting and it was so it would draw us to it that we would go out and get those ashes and we just put those ashes back on us thinking that man now there's some of y'all here. I'm going to tell you something. If anybody tells you this sin isn't fun for a minute, they're probably lying to you. That's why we all run to it, right? What Jesus said, he said, if you want life, the sin is what kills us. So anything that's bad, make no mistake, the only reason that Jesus said that sin isn't good for us is because it brings death to us. It'll kill your marriage. It'll kill you. Your, our addictions bring death to us. I'm going to wait for an hey amen. I'm just, I got, I, don't, I, I, I got a minute here. I said the things that God calls sin is really, really, really bad for us. I can wait on you now. It brings death to us. But what happens is we fall asleep because we get used to it. Then we get addicted to it. Then we like it more and we love God. Right. We run to it. And when we run to it, we run away from God. But God says, run to me, and I'll help you through your addiction. I'll help you through the process. I'll help you through your anger. I'll help you through your offense. I'll help you through this. And you'll be a, help me be a healer for the nations. Instead of a detriment, and offensive, causing offense, you will bring life to the world. Are are we bringing life to the world, or are we bringing an offense to the world? I'm going to tell you something. We got a problem on the border. and say something, blow your mind. It's not a Democrat problem. It's not a Republican problem. It's a Democrat and a Republican problem because it's gone on for decades through Democrats and Republicans. They don't have the answer for what's going on at the border because believe it or not, God loves the Mexicans and the Chinese people and everybody else that's coming through the border just as much as he loves you. The problem, because listen, if I was in Mexico, I'd be trying to get in here too because America is the greatest nation in the world. Why would they not want to come to America? That's not their problem. It's our problem because we have not taken care of business. We kicked the can down the road and we just sleep through the process of being faithful to the Constitution that God placed in us. God gives us wisdom to know how to live our lives through the Word of God, but when we don't know the Word of God, we just want—we just want to get up here and like, oh, 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 just. just, push that, push the, push the snooze button, push this knee. I'm just looking for somebody to wake up. I just want somebody to wake up this morning. We got to stop pointing fingers at people and start getting our hearts right. We're the church. We're Americans. And wherever nation you're in, Be a good representative for Jesus because it's not about anything else but letting people know that Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. We got to speak up. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for helping us, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for being our Savior. I thank you, Lord, that your word is alive and powerful. Lord, help us to understand it's not our job to fix everybody and pull the weeds out. Help us to understand that it's our job to grow. You're going to take care of that. We don't need to be doing your job. Help us to know that, oh God. Help us to love people like you love them, oh God let you take care of the things. It's not our job to fix people, but Lord, it is our job to love them. Lord, help us to love you first so we can learn how to love them second. And we thank you, Lord, for it. I'd like to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning Is if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, the greatest, greatest privilege known to mankind is to be able to come into the presence of God. If you've never accepted Christ as your personal savior, it's like that scripture that I read earlier. It says, behold, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. But this morning, you have an opportunity to accept Christ as your personal savior, to to be transformed into the kingdom of God. The scripture calls it being born again, being born spiritually. So this morning, if you've never accepted him as your Savior, maybe if you have, you haven't been living for him, simply by raising your hand, say, Preacher, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Slip your hand up high. We want to put a Bible in your hand. Anybody, Preacher, that's me. Anybody. Yep, back in the back. Leave your hand up till we get a Bible in it, please. Anybody else? Just be real with God. That's, that's what he's asking from you this morning, just to be real with him. Anybody. Thank you, Lord. Yep, thank you, baby. Yep, thank you. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. I need Jesus. Need to make him the Lord of my life. Anybody else? If you raise your hand back in the back, would you look up at me? Would you mind coming up and let me pray with you? Be, I'd be honored to pray with you. You mind coming up? Would you mind coming up? Can you bring her up? Yeah. Can you just bring her up? That'd be good. Yeah, thank you. Beautiful. Oh, it's good. It's a good day. It's a good day. I'm so proud of you. Tell me your name. Amy. Yeah. Bless you, Amy. Thanks for coming. I appreciate you. Tell me your name. Javier. Bless you, my friend. So honored to have you. Now, listen, I want to tell you all something. Here's what the Bible says. It says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God's raised him from the dead, that we'll be saved. Believe in Jesus because he's the answer for your life. And invite him to come in. It's a personal relationship that you'll have with Jesus. And I want to help you pray, okay? So y'all help us pray. Just repeat after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart I invite you into my life help me to read my Bible to pray show up for church I love you Jesus in Jesus name I pray amen beautiful beautiful listen let us help you keep showing up if you can it'll help you Keep showing up. I'm so proud of you. Oh, I love you. Bless you, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, go visit with these guys for just a second. Yeah, y'all are, are getting saved, buddies. Go visit with these guys for just a second. Thank you. Y'all stand up, please. There's been a sweet presence of the Lord in this building today. The presence of God is real. Take what you have now. And take it home with you, mom and dad. Practice the presence of the Lord in your home. Let God be God to you. How many know? How many would just be honest with me and tell me that there's there's some areas in your life that you probably need to wake up in? Raise your hand and tell me you need to wake up. Let's raise our other hands and I'll pray for you. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. We do raise our hands and surrender to you. Oh, we just declare that we don't surrender all. Some, we surrender all. And we surrender our lives to you. Our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our souls. We surrender to you, oh God. Lead us and guide us and direct us in the paths of righteousness. For your name's sake, in Jesus' name I pray. And the church said, amen. Amen. I love you. God bless you. Y'all come back next week. Bring somebody with you to the 8 o'clock service.